a while since I've been in front of this microphone. I've recently returned uh, from a trip to Thailand and Cambodia, which I had mentioned before, and I had no idea what I was in for. It was a sober trip, and that's going to be the focus of today's show. Kind of want to fill you in on some of the recovery aspects of it and and share with you how I was quite a bit out of my comfort zone and how this this travel experience has impacted my recovery. To put a little context around the trip, the gentleman, Paul Churchill from Recovery Elevator that we interviewed in episode three, puts together some sober retreats and the demographic of those uh, those folks on the retreat are people who are just looking to travel without alcohol because they're in the frame of mind that alcohol is shit, as Paul constantly preaches, which is awesome. So a little background on how I ended up on the trip. I was I was an avid listener of Recovery Elevator podcast and Paul kept talking about the trip and it it really excited me. And at the time, I was involved with someone who had expressed interest in going to Asia and I had set the itinerary over and um, he didn't feel very compelled to go. He's like, oh no, I want to go, you know, to Thailand and act like a tourist more than work on recovery. So a different frame of mind. So I'd kind of push the trip out of my head. Well, uh, no longer involved with this person. So my brain started going towards the trip again. And as I got ready to ramp up for the podcast, I'd kind of talked myself out of it saying, oh, I don't want to spend that much money on myself, et cetera, et cetera. So I randomly get a text in July, after I've kind of talked myself out of this, from a friend of mine that I had helped with something, and he wanted to repay me, essentially, for some help, and offer to pay for me to go on a trip. Well, this trip was a little out of the realm of appreciation in my mind, but as someone who had recently, prior to this text, been preaching the message about accepting gifts because sometimes they're about the giver instead of the receiver. I had just gone through working on that concept with one of my friends in real life. So it wasn't but four days after the conversations I was having surrounding this that I got this text. So I graciously accepted after thinking about it for a couple of days and, and kind of balanced out the, you know, I'll pay for this and you pay for that so that I can go on the trip. But what 
why I shared all that detail is because I truly believe, and this is just part of what Bobby views today, is that I was meant to go on this trip. I wholeheartedly believe it. Like I can be excited about separating from that person who I wanted to go on the trip with because separating made it so I could go on this trip. It was a once in a lifetime experience. And I'm not a shy person, but this trip involved going and meeting essentially 27 strangers. People from, we had a few from Australia, one from Canada, and the rest were spread out throughout the the country. And, you know, you don't know what you're getting into when you go on this on this trip and and you're going to be on a bus and in hotels and just sharing space with 27 strangers essentially. So I thought for the fun of it I would tie in a little bit of the serenity prayer and how I used it on this trip before I get into some of the meaningful highlights and how they relate to where I'm at today. I just want to give a shout out to those 28 people uh, that were kind enough to spend a lot of quality time with me. And I need to thank them for all that I learned and shared with them, as well as our fearless leader, Paul Churchill from Recovery Elevator, who was amazing and put on a fantastic, fantastic trip. So this wasn't the traditional go to the beach in Thailand, you know, party like a rock star in Bangkok, which I learned on the trip is said to be like the Las Vegas of the world, which was pretty ironic from a gambler perspective and from from alcohol-free perspective as well. And, and while I'm on that topic, I was the only, and I use air quotes again, gambler on the trip. And as you've heard on my step one episode that I was really trying to figure out what my relationship with alcohol looks like or should look like. And I'm happy to report that I got some clarity on that on the trip. It was just one of the many, many nuggets that I came home with that I'm very excited about coming home with. Before delving into our fabulous itinerary, I'm going to cover the serenity prayer for those who might not be familiar with it. Since this is a recovery podcast, I want to share how it was applicable throughout the trip and just get you kind of familiar with it if you're not used to it. So according to the research that I did, which was not majorly extensive, it looks like the origin of the serenity prayer is from a Dr. Reinhold Niebuhr, again, not exactly sure how to pronounce this, N-I-E-B-U-H-R. So it is said that he's the author, and there's a long version of the Serenity Prayer and a short version, but just for the context today, I'm going to just read you the short version. And this is something that we say, we say it in at the end of anonymous meetings and we say it at the center too at the beginning and at the end of every meeting so here goes god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference so 
now that we know the what of the serenity prayer, I'm going to kind of share with you how it related. So after getting to Bangkok and, and getting settled in, we went exploring a little bit on the first day, a small group of us, whoever was around, and just kind of got a little bit familiar with the lay of the land around our hotel. But the first big day <laughs> was a bicycle ride around Bangkok. And this is something that I cannot even put into words. I think it was terrifying in a lot of instances, uh, which was part of what I could not change, right? We went through little alleys and backways of through Bangkok. We went on boats. We, we rode to a place where we rode boats and were able to see things on the side of the river, such as people's homes on stilts and these big snake dragon looking monster things that weren't quite as big as an alligator, but kind of reminded me of one, something I was a little nervous about. And you have to understand that in Bangkok and, and over in Asia, they drive on the left side of the road. And here in America, we drive on the right side of the road. So, and there doesn't seem to be any clear rules about who ultimately has the right of way, whether it's the pedestrian, the person on a motor scooter, the person in a big vehicle. So riding on an unfamiliar side of the road against traffic was was pretty invigorating to say the least. So that was our first day. And although it was scary, some of the spiritual work we got to do that day was going into a, a Chinese I think it was a Chinese temple is what they told us. And we got to visit with a statue that represented health and love. And again, this is the first day, a bunch of strangers going in and, and sharing incense to pray to these gods. It was, it's just not duplicatable. The next day we went on our first little jungle trek and went to a place where they're trying to save the elephants. One of the biggest themes of the trip was dialing into nature and and giving back, essentially. Those were things that I walked away feeling like were big parts of the trip. So the place that we spent the day educated us about how the elephants are losing some of their land over there. And this particular facility is trying to help with natural ways to protect the elephants. They want, they want to get at the crops. They want to get at the farmer's crops. And in some cases, the farmers are throwing firecrackers at the elephants, which like totally hurts my heart. My mother is a huge, huge elephant fanatic. So she was everywhere on the trip. But to think about them becoming essentially endangered or I, I feel like I've always taken elephants for granted that they're going to be at the next circus or or wherever and never really thought about them coming to extinction you know in the next century or so and hopefully that doesn't happen but there's there's a lot of good people over there trying to do good things 
and and help save their save their population. So the next day was I think probably most of our favorite day and that's when we actually got to hang out with the elephants. So the group got to go in a mud bath with them and then go in the river and wash them and lots of fun video of of this exciting stuff happening which someday I will get on uploaded onto the 321 no kidding group on Facebook or on Instagram. So that was a pretty magical day and what's happening in the background of all these of all these little trips and these adventures daily is conversations, conversations at the meals, conversations as we're trying to take each other's pictures. These magical moments and amazing people just sharing whatever sharing the beauty of this country of of this continent and these countries that we're exploring but it was the epitome of beautiful people how well we functioned as kind of a, a team and a unit and the amazing things that we got to touch so we all loved hanging out with the elephants that day and then we spent some time over the next couple of days, we, we went to a um, national park called Kaye. This is why I'm not doing big, big descriptions because I can't pronounce it all. So we got to see some, some beautiful things. And what was really great of, of Paul, our leader, was he said to us that we should listen to our bodies and if we needed to take a break or we needed to vary from the itinerary, you know, we had to listen to our bodies. And I love that message. And it's something that maybe we don't do all the time or in everyday life. We, you know, we got to push through this and take care of that. And, you know, for the parents out there, you have to be ready to bend at your children's needs or maybe you're in a position where you have elderly folks, you know, like people are always giving, 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 and maybe don't take time for themselves. So I love that that was incorporated into our adventure. The next day, we started busing our way over to Cambodia, which was an amazing country. It was mind-blowing. Everything about it, I enjoyed truly. I mean, Thailand we hear about, and Thailand was fabulous as well. But I feel like Cambodia was a little bit of a secret on the trip, and that was part of the allure. But so we had to cross the border, and <laughs> the compulsive gambler is fine for whatever comes our way. So we get out of the bus, and we have to work our way through a couple little pieces of this and because we're changing countries we're changing tour guides at this part and potty breaks you never know when you're going to get your next one so one of the guides tells us that there's a building that you know up ahead on the right that we can go into to use the restroom (laughs) well we walk in there and come to find out it's a casino (laughs) so as you get to know me a little more, you're going to know that, you know, one of the rules that I believe in wholeheartedly is, you know, don't put yourself in danger. Never, ever would I walk into a casino here in the States 
uh, to use the bathroom or otherwise. At least I can't imagine a scenario. So here I am. And again, we're about a week into the trip. 27 strangers, you know, only a small part of them were in this building with me. And I will tell you, it was it was a little startling to walk in there and, and be surrounded with my good old friends, the slot machines. And I was very fortunate that I had been transparent. And my comrades it looked out for me. You know, they checked in. They made sure I was okay. They helped me get out of there ASAP. So very appreciative towards that. But it was to go back to the serenity prayer connection. Obviously, I couldn't control where our pit stop was. But what I could control was being around the right people and being open and honest about it so that I was protected by this group. So it was it was manageable. It was just very interesting to be in a casino after almost three years. It was it was different and scary. And luckily we survived it. The next part of the adventure that I didn't have much control over was our homestay visit. So the first night in Cambodia we were staying in local people's houses that we didn't know, that we couldn't necessarily communicate their language and had no idea what to expect. And I will say that it was probably one of the most humbling experiences of my life. The house that we stayed in, there was six of us in ours and I'll admit it was scary. You know, we were being told, you know, we're going to be sleeping in in mosquito net beds and we didn't, there was no running hot water. There was a lot of things, you know, that we take for granted for starters, but then just so many unknowns. Well, when we got there, there was, like I said, six of us total. We could hear music in the background and it was, it was pretty loud. And come to find out, so the tour guide kind of dropped us off and and has a little conversation with the host family to get us situated for the night. And come to find out, there was a wedding. That's where the music was coming from. We decided we were going to go to the wedding. So all six of us walked down with our host family that we couldn't, we couldn't even have a one sentence in English or us speaking in their, in their tongue. So... We walk into this wedding and it was the most beautiful thing. We barely stepped in. They don't know who we are. They know we're different. And they just let us join their circle of dance. And and we just danced and played with, with all these people. And we did it sober, which was another beautiful facet. There was drinking at the wedding. So... So the people that were on the trip for the sober part, they they walked into their hot spot, so to speak, too. But again, we were as a unit, it was a whole lot easier to overcome that. But but the beauty of what was happening in that in those moments, I I don't think anybody would have any interest for alcohol because it was just it was just phenomenal. The remainder of the trip we spent we spent consistently in the same hotel for a few days and we were in now kind of a touristy part of Cambodia. 
And by this point, we kind of know each other pretty well and as well as you can for nine or ten days in with a whole lot of uh, inner reflection and work. So going back to the things I could not change. Full disclosure, there was someone on the trip that um, I, I was struggling with and not outwardly, although there there came a night where I had a headache. Um, I just wasn't, I was, it was getting late in the trip, right? I couldn't communicate, you know, for simple things like to get a cup of coffee in the morning. You know, there was just different, the language barrier was catching up with me. My patience was not at its best. And, and I could take a lot of ownership for my attitude here, uh, on, at least on that particular, well, every day I can take ownership for my attitude. But on this particular day, I kind of did not act the way that I would have liked to. And it could be looked at two different ways. One was that I had the courage to change the thing I can in the sense that I ended up voicing my opinion to this person or I could have just recognized that I can't change this person. It's out of my control, going back to the serenity prayer, and had the difference, you know, knew the difference of trying to change someone else or change the circumstance. So what ended up happening was I was a bit outspoken and not real proud of myself and not delivering a message. I have no problem with conflict and I have no problem with offering folks feedback whether they want it or not but I do try my best to do it in a in a kind loving helpful way and I didn't do this on that particular day and it wasn't a very proud moment but the reason I'm sharing this with you is because it had a happy ending so one of the highlights in the last few days was seven of us went and got tattoos (laughs) <laughs> and um, I had no intention of going to Asia to get a tattoo. It's still blowing my mind that I did it, to be completely honest. But it's my beautiful logo, and it says 321, no kidding, and it's pretty badass, and I'm very proud of the podcast and my ability to be out of my comfort zone with this, as well as things like my Asia trip. So I'm pretty excited about the the tattoo. But anyway, so one of the other magical moments for me on the trip was being at this tattoo parlor and being, I was definitely the big fat baby of the group. I am not a fan of needles. I am not a fan of pain. And these women just rallied around me. And one was giving me a massage, one was holding my hand, you know, they were just, they were just so supportive and helped me get through that moment. But the, the other exciting part of this is the person I told you I was delivered a message, not the best way. And that I had gotten frustrated, frustrated with was there. And, and she was working the hardest at keeping me calm and happy and, And she just showed me, you know, 
that that true unconditional love. It had nothing to do with, you know, what had happened the day or a couple days before. It was that moment. And she really, she really just showed me how she was working her recovery because she could have decided at that moment, you know, that I was a shithead or, or whatever. It could have created a whole lot of barriers for the remainder of the trip, but it didn't. So, um, I super appreciate that and I super appreciate her. Okay. I'm a work in progress. I really was grateful. There we go. Gratitude. It feels like we can't say too much about gratitude, but I was very grateful for how that turned out. So after a couple days in, in CM reap, I probably mispronounced that as well. Um, you know, it was time to go and it was, it was really pretty bittersweet. We left in different segments of time and, um, it was pretty sad because I think we all could have hung out for a lifetime together, exploring Asia and, and having some meaty heart to heart conversations. Here I am, uh, back from the trip about four or five days and just kind of, wanted to download it and share some of the highlights with you and also another piece of well two things I don't want to lose track of so I told you I would solve the or share with you my my unanswered question of my relationship with alcohol another person that I have to call out so to speak from the trip was there was a young girl and age doesn't really matter, but in this case, I'm bringing it up because she was 26 going on 60. I mean, she just had so much life skills and, and knowledge and experience and just this wisdom that she shared with all of us. And it helped me learn a lot about myself. And through one of our conversations, I got to the point of, of understanding my relationship with alcohol, or at least how to proceed going forward. So the question that I had had when doing the episode about step one and being powerless over gambling and my life becoming unmanageable with gambling, very clear. But when it came to alcohol, I was on the fence. I knew my life wasn't unmanageable. And I don't know that I'm powerless all the time, right? So what... I was getting hung up on was as a as a 12 step person if if I've I don't want to say conquered the gambling but I've done the work the 12 step work on the gambling do I now need to start all over with the alcohol what does that look like and what I realized was I'm doing the work on me it doesn't matter what addiction I'm trying to conquer or work on and what I believe now after speaking with uh, people on the trip and 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 reflecting is as long as I'm healing which I am by doing my 12-step work by working my self-care program by by doing the things that I value and that I think are important and that I'm trying to share with everybody here it doesn't become a, I have to deal with alcohol or any of my addictions, really, and you might smoking or any of those things. 
sugar. Oh my goodness. I had so much ice cream and it was amazing. And I don't feel all that guilty about it. But at any rate, if I'm doing my inside work and I'm still very young in the process, we're only at, you know, again, not even three years and how much I've learned these last few years, I can only imagine what the next 30 is going to look like. So my, what I walked away from the trip believing is that as long as I do the work, the alcohol piece and, and some of the other things, it, they're going to they're gonna work themselves out when it's time to work themselves out. It doesn't mean I get to ignore them. I still have to do my work, but it's not as, it doesn't have to weigh on my mind and my heart the way it was before I left. And I'm, I'm grateful for that piece of it. And I still haven't drank since I've been back. Like I'm on 50-something days. And just going through that exercise alone was pretty pretty interesting too, which I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if I'm going to drink again or not in the near future or not. I don't know where I'm going to land on that. So I guess I'll keep you updated. <laughs> I guess that's a whole other episode where I land on that, but I don't want to answer prematurely. So that's where I will leave it on, on that revelation. And then the other big learning that I had, and this is more this week, but a little bit from the trip is, and again, one of my Bobby beliefs in recovery, and maybe this works for some and maybe others, it, it doesn't work quite this way, but I am, I need my routine and my schedule. Like I need that to survive. And I lost that. So not only was I 12 hours off in a time difference, so my sleep schedule was off, but I couldn't do my daily meditations twice a day. My eating habits had changed. You know, we were eating dinner at 7.30 at night, which was really 7.30 in the morning here. And, you know, I would normally eat dinner at, say, 4 or 5. So again, out of my control, but I also attribute not getting my normal routine as part of what did make me cranky that day, you know, when I took it out on someone on the trip. And um, I just, I value it. Here I am, you know, I've only been home a few days and I still haven't gotten right with, with work or Zumba or podcasts or, you know, anything at this moment. So I'm hoping to transition back into my normal boring routine that, that keeps me sane uh, by the end of the weekend and hopefully kick off next week with a new frame of mind. I'm actually recording this a little bit before Valentine's Day and that's one of our, our busy times at my at my real job. So we will see what happens. Again, I can't control how how busy I personally will be when it comes to the holiday and the work piece of it, but I can control my getting back into my life and my routine and what time I get up in the morning and when and what I choose to eat. So those are the pieces that I do have control over. So one final thing about about the trip, and I'm sure you'll hear about it probably more in, in future episodes because it was just such an amazing trip and, and so much of it ties in directly to how I choose to live my life and my recovery. But one of the things that we did was 
we had a little breakout session and, and we were in a small group so four or five and we had to ask each other some questions and one of the questions was what was the best vacation of our life or my life and the way I answered this question was I don't think it's happened yet so this vacation although it was amazing it was it was work too it wasn't just let your hair down and you know go play in the sand kind of thing but I also have not ever been on a vacation that I can recall where there was literally zero gambling and zero alcohol. So if I choose to stay alcohol free and I will absolutely choose to be gambling free and I'm going to continue to vacation, I think that my best vacations haven't happened yet because I can remember as much as my brain is capable of, but sober, (laughs) I can remember all facets of this trip. And if I was drinking, I would have lost some of the memories. So I think it's, I think it's going to be pretty wild. And, and I have quite a few vacations planned this year and I'm pretty excited, including a trip to Alaska with my BFF here. So I have a lot to look forward to this year. Anyway, The reason I bring this up is because I thought it was a good little tie-in to my positive quote that I selected for today. And this one comes to us from C.S. Lewis. And, oh, wait a minute. Before I go and before I do my quote, I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everybody that's put reviews and have subscribed to the show. I just I just want to say that it hasn't gone unnoticed. I know that this may or may not be everybody's flavor, so the candid feedback is amazing and I just appreciate it. My my future vacations are going to be better in this quote from CS Lewis. There are far far better things ahead than any anything we have left behind. Well, thank you so much for listening. It's good to be back in front of the microphone and have an amazing week, beautiful people.